Uh, so I think when I clap, we'll, we can just get right into it. All right. I mean, yeah, that that works. Okay. So I'll go start clapping. Three. Okay. Two. Oh. Sorry. You you said amazing. You said I start clapping, and I was like, oh, he's gonna clap multiple times. I'll preempt him. Welcome back, everybody. Oh. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, no. We screwed up already. It's okay. Now we can both welcome our listeners to yeah. another episode of When Drew is Away, Adam and Zach will talk anime. Oh, yeah. And today we're talking about, as we mentioned before, Made in Abyss. Oh, boy. I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> so I want to preface this because I might just start dumping spoilers out of nowhere. There's going to be spoilers in this podcast. Many mm-hmm. spoilers in this podcast. Go watch this show. Like, if you want to review without spoilers, go watch this show. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of hoping people aren't listening to this if they don't. Like, I'm hoping yeah. you watch it, then come back. Because we're, we are going to be pretty open about this. Uh, that's And that's I, I think that's, that's really good for the format in general for us to talk about the anime we just watched. Is to be oh able boy. to talk and about boy, the spoilers. Did I? Ju- did we just watch an anime? We did. We just watched an anime. It is an experience. If you really, if you genuinely hate chibi art, you might not like this show. Oh, dude, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but I did have a funny thought recently. Okay. Last time our series was about was a uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront Two, a series about a city on the outskirts of a giant pit. <laughs> and now our new story God is Made in Abyss. The story of a giant city on the edge of a giant pit. Although, our last story focused on the city. Our current story focuses on the pit. <laughs> wow. So, uh, listener, just so you know, um, we're going to be following the same format we did last time, where we're going to go episode by episode. We'll give a kind of a quick recap of the episode, and then we'll, pro- we'll just kind of get right into talking about kind of our feelings and impressions about the series. Uh, and at the very end, we'll give a general overview of this. Uh, some quick background information that people don't know. Uh, Made in Abyss is a 13-episode anime that originally aired on Amazon's Anime Strike. Anime Strike is now dead. So as long as you have anime, uh, sorry, Amazon Prime, you can go watch it. It comes with your Prime subscription. So, Yay. yeah, there you go. Uh, it is based off of a uh, manga series. So you can also read that if you, if you are so inclined. But we will be talking today about the anime and uh, the ride that it was. You know, it's funny. I, I do want to mention this uh, right off the bat. So I have an Amazon Prime account, mm-hmm. and I did not I did not even think about how I could watch anime off of my Amazon Prime account. Uh, they so to completely tangent anime. Uh, anime Strike was an Amazon thing that it used to be. You'd get your Amazon Prime account, then you'd have to pay extra to get an, uh, Anime Strike, for like right. five five bucks a month or something. But they scrapped that. Because people just were like, but I already just paid ninety a year for Amazon Prime. Can't I get some anime? Since since then, it has gotten a bunch of like really high rated series, and I think Made in Abyss is kind of its flagship one of look, we do anime, we have it. Please come here. It is funny that this is the show that they're like, we have anime. Cho- come check out this show that is very sure to be very popular with everyone. Oh boy, nobody will ever <laughs> like... be off put by the subject matter <laughs> yeah. or the. The contents therein of this series. So we will be talking about this 
this here anime. Uh, so I, we will start with episode one. Right. This... Oh, right. Mm. Sorry. The format is we're going to talk through each one of the episodes, one through 13, and then at the end we're going to give our, our general impression of the show. But, and, but I said and, yeah. that already. Oh, you did? Oh, fuck. I did. You were too busy oh, hoping no. to jump into the abyss of our episodes that you forgot. That's okay. With the power of editing, anything's possible. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna have to edit that. <laughs> right, I will be editing this episode. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Okay, oh boy. so let, we'll get started with episode one, The City of the Great Pit. Uh, so this is our first introductory episode, and it has a pretty strong start. It follows our main character, Rico, who is a cave yep. raider, who is um, going around and exploring inside the abyss, this giant pit that is the last unexplored place in the land in this entire planet. Um, and it would like people have just gathered here trying to find the secrets of the abyss. So she's a young, young girl who's like, I'm going to go find stuff and be, be a great explorer. Like my mom, nothing bad will happen ever to me until something. Well, this episode, nothing bad happens to her. Oh God. No, this episode is actually pretty fun. You, you get this episode. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So, so she goes exploring around and, one of her friends gets knocked out by this like weird creeping monster that is, oh, uh, is Nat? floating. Yeah, yeah, Nat. Her her friend Nat gets knocked, um, and she distracts the monster and runs away. It's it, it is at that moment when I was watching the show that I'm like, these children shouldn't be here. Oh God, no. So and so she's running away from this terrifying monster, the crimson um, split jaw. Yeah, the creepy crimson split jaw. And then she gets saved at the last second. And that happens like one or two more times in this show. Mm. And and as if they were playing a role-playing game system where they run out of fucking, like, fate points. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. The points run out. And there is a point for, like, the point further in the show where shit gets real. Yeah. But um, right now, it's pretty lighthearted exploring. Uh, so she's getting attacked by the this giant monster. And all of a sudden, a giant blast comes from behind her and blows the monster's... I guess it kind of just like blasts the monster and it scurries off. And Rico goes over to explore and finds a a robot boy with a later name Reg. And Reg is kind of like this. He's kind of one of the many mysteries of this series. He is. I although I do have, like. Uh, so another thing I want to mention about Reg in specific, I'm pretty sure Reg is supposed to be the audience insert. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that to me before. I did. Uh, I, yeah, you want to re-explain that again? Right. So. The way Reg acts and the way he reacts to everything going on around him, because Reg is an amnesiac. He, this robot boy wakes up. I think they just call him Reg, mm -hmm. and and he just accepts the name, I suppose. But they they start like talking about things that are just normal and natural to them, and Reg responds like you or I would in this mm -hmm. sort of like exacerbated, maybe not exacerbated, but but sometimes like usually surprised and like, whoa, what are you talking about? How do you do that? And then like he finds a corpse somewhere and like, whoa, whoa, there's a corpse. What the and and like they're like oh yeah no that's just a normal thing and i'm like you fucking 12 year olds corpses aren't supposed to be normal things yeah i it, it's a really interesting how how reg just becomes the audience insert for the show mm -hmm. and the other thing i think the other reason why he kind of feels like an audience insert is that reg is a robot so he's not affected by any like any of the really bad stuff in the abyss and he can take some serious damage without significant harm to himself mm -hmm. like Rico is a vulnerable character. She she doesn't seem to be aware of this, but but Reg is far less vulnerable, and so mm -hmm. like it's easy to sort of just like 
observe the world through Reg's eyes, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you think of Rico and Reg in this series? I, you know, normally the times sometimes these super over uh, energetic character can be kind of grating, but I never really got that with Rico. Rico is very like outgoing, full of energy, and she really wants to like be this great adventurer. And Reg mm-hmm. is kind of just dragged along for the ride of like, yeah, I guess I'll go with you. Uh, so my impression was a little bit different. Like with, with Reg, I got the impression that he really wants to know who he is. He's, he's mm. on a journey of self-discovery. And so that's the, that's probably one of the more primary motivators. Oh, of course. But like, you can't deny for like most of the things like, Hey, Reg, come with me, please. And it's like, Oh, okay. I will. I will yeah. He does. Thing. He does also just sort of accept when Rico wants to go further in. But the thing is like, when I like watching Rico, I was like, Oh, this is a, you know, she's a cute kid. She, she does like normal like things you would expect and you're right she isn't really annoying Mm -hmm. um but as like i got a sense of like foolhardiness from her that like i could not stop throughout this entire show just like fretting that like rico's gonna die in the next five minutes yeah throughout most of the series rico is very she because she's so confident and determined to get to the bottom of the abyss she often seems like she's kind of walking into trouble with the mindset of, ah, I'm sure it'll be fine. And because Reg is there, it usually is. Um, as we've kind of mentioned, this is not always the case, but it most of the time is. Like, there's a lot of close calls, and episode one shows that. Yeah. Um, where Rico almost fucking dies, and then Reg saves her without even really knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. So what else What else we have to say about this episode? Uh, episode one, I just want to point this out. I have my notes. Boy, this this show is pretty. This show was a oh yeah, really good looking. Uh, it was that last shot at the end where Rico takes Reg up to the top of the the tower to kind of just look over the abyss and the city around it. Um, and it was like, wow, that's this is where the budget went, I guess. Yeah, that is precisely where the budget is, and just every shot of the abyss is absolutely wonderful to look at. Mm-hmm. I guess the other impression I got from the show is I immediately liked Nat. Yeah, I actually, I'll have to say this. Not, I think I liked almost every character. Well, there's in this series. Well, there's one. There's, later. there's one. There's one later. I'm not so fond of. Yeah, but um, and I think you know he who he is. Oh, we all know. Everybody else is like, yeah, yeah. I like all of these characters. Yeah, they're all very likable. Like Nat, I I feel like is the character that would be the annoying kind of character. He's very mm-hmm. naggy, but in the end, he turns out all right. Like. He's, you know, he generally sticks with the plan, um, mm-hmm. and he he generally is trying to help people and things like that. So, I I, I did also like all of the 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 side characters up at the top, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's about it for the entire episode. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to episode two. So episode two is the Resurrection Festival, and this is another. This is actually probably more the City of Orth and world building. Oh yeah. Uh, episode. There's there's a lot of exposition. <laughs> So in this one, I guess there's a festival that's going on and at, at some, you know, to celebrate, you know, I guess the white whistles of the hero, but especially Liza the Annihilator, who is a, a kind of a legendary white whistle and white whistles in this series and actually whistles in general are kind of the signifier of how good a cave raider you are. And a white whistle is the top of the top. There's only, I think, five in the entire history of this, this world. I don't think there's five. I think there's just five whistles. Uh, no, well, is it? I don't know. They they name five. There could be more, but because of the veneration they talk with them, I got the sense there were only five of them in like the history. Hmm, that's true. So in this one, 
Red goes on his first cave raiding. Uh, oh, one thing we didn't mention. All of these kids are orphans that you follow around because they are in the Belchero Orphanage. And it, there was a weird moment that says, listen, you need to study well. You wouldn't want your parents' sacrifice to be in vain. And then you get the like slow realization oh, of, right, yeah. oh, these are all the orphans of other cave raiders. Yeah. So cave raiders oh. go into the pit and die, and their children go to the orphanage to be trained to go in the pit and die. Um, yeah, it is yeah. this episode that I I was like, wow, this is a this world is a real fucked up. Mm-hmm. So uh, we learn about the resurrection festival. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the I know I kind of said it's like some celebration of the white whistles and yeah. At so least so Eliza. when a white whistle comes back to the top, they have a resurrection festival because generally speaking, when you get a white whistle, it means the the mm-hmm that that person has died and so the resurrection festival is sort of like uh i think you're actually i think you're mistaken on oh, am that I? one i'm pretty sure yeah uh slight correction i believe what it is and they say it in this episode is that you can get a white whistle and still be alive but when you can lose a white whistle a what when a white whistle goes down to the fifth layer or sixth layer they are cons- considered dead yeah and their whistle is sent back up because in this world there's this kind of abyssal faith that they use a lot where if you die, you go to the bottom of the pit and then your spirit comes back up. And this is signifying, oh, your spirit has come back up. Your whistle has come back up. Right, right, right. And Rico, and we find out that Rico is the daughter of Liza and she now has Liza's white whistle. Yeah, they they sort of just passed it to her because they're just like, oh, yeah, family members usually get the white whistle, mm-hmm. which is which which is what made me think that there had to be previous white whistles. Yeah, that, like died yeah, and passed so. on the thing to their family members. Uh, could be. We we only know about the five that they tell us. Um, and so in this one, we get Rico's backstory of how how she was born at the third layer. Yeah, or something she was like born that. in and, the third layer and then dragged back up. Um, which we later learn isn't mm-hmm. the entire story, but that was implied when yeah. it was first told. And she was put in mm-hmm. a sort of like life saving device to keep her from doing the thing. The curse repelling vessel. Oh, and that leads me. Which yeah, so when which when... I like to call the fun cube, but oh god, <laughs> this this segues really nicely into something I have in my notes. Episode two, uh, we find out about the curse of the abyss. That's some bullshit right there. I wrote down. <laughs> Wait, did it go? Th- it went through all the layers, right? It did. And so in this episode, we find out about not just about the the cave raiders. But also the abyss itself of how it, it just kind of, for like 2,000 years or so, people have been trying to get to the bottom of it and explore it. And about the curse of the abyss. So, you can go down as much as you want. The problem isn't going down. The problem is going back up. Yeah. God, those symptoms are fucked up. They're, I don't remember which which ones at each layer, but they range from like fatigue, nausea, dizziness... Mm-hmm. Uh, hallucinations, bleeding from every orifice. Yeah, bleeding from every orifice. That's a real fucked up one. There's another one that was, you you will either die or lose your humanity. And that was, I think, the last one they talk about. Yeah, so if you come up from, like, the sixth layer, and nobody knows what happens when you come Mm -hmm. up from the seventh, because obviously reports can't come from there. Uh, A lot of the symptoms, especially in the earlier layers, actually, uh, there's a disease when you dive deep into the ocean and then rise back up too quickly. Oh, uh, decompression sickness or? Yeah, yeah, decompression sickness. So, like, the first three layers or so are actually basically just decompression sickness. Like, those are the actual symptoms of decompression sickness. Now, I want to be clear on something. When they talk about the Curse of the Abyss in this episode, and they talk about, oh, yeah, going up is a real pain. 
I wasn't aware how, like, how do I put this? How, like, aggressive going up they meant would cause this. I thought it meant, like, yeah, if you go from, like, this layer up to this layer, you're going to have this. We find out later, no. It's like if you go 10 meters yeah, up, there's, you're there's just get like a line. It. If you cross the line, you're fucked. Uh, yeah, I, I was with, I was in your camp. I was I was like, okay, so going up is going to slowly induce these symptoms. But no, it just it snaps in. Yeah, I think there is there's an episode later, um not the not the fourth layer one, but like later on, she like walks up a like a um a slope yeah. hill. Wow, I couldn't talk there. And she starts hallucinating. It's like, wait a minute, that's it? That's all you have to do? To yeah, it this? wasn't that tall. Oh my gosh. No, I was looking at it going like, that's like a, a 20, maybe 30 foot incline. So, uh, yeah, cave raiders are no joke. And at the end of this episode, we find out that Liza has left a letter for Rico. And Rico right. and Reg go to read it. And it it's a letter to Rico that says, I'll be waiting for you at the bottom of the netherworld. At the bottom of the abyss. Like, <gasps> she just said the bottom of the abyss. I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go. Got anything else or should we move on to episode three? I think we're pretty good. I mean, we learn more about, I think this is the episode where we learn about the big guy. And we learn... Habo? Ha- is his name Habo? Yeah, ha- Uncle Halbog. Yeah, Habog, oh right, Uncle Halbog. Rico calls him. Oh, good old Uncle oh. Halbog. What a dude. Yeah. Okay, so episode three, Departure. A.K.A. the the one heist story in this movie. The or sort story? of like uh prison escape there we go yeah kind of so in this episode rico and reg have kind of made up their minds that they want to go down to the bottom of the abyss rico to find her mom and reg to find out who he is because yeah nobody's he you know they all believe he came from the bottom of the abyss oh right something we forgot to forgot to mention i find it i I mean it makes sense when you learn things later on but at the time they like passed off reg as a random orphan and at the time i was like how he has robot yeah, arms. Yeah, there's a scene in there's a scene in episode one or two where they're like they go up to talk to the instructor and he's like, "Show me your arms." Like, "Wow, check out my hand." It's like, "Who made this?" Uh, somebody from a foreign land. That uh, works for me. Get in here. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Really?" But then later it made sense. So the the big conflict of this episode is not only Reg and Rico actually escaping to go down to the abyss because you know they're they're red whistles, they're kids, they're not supposed yep. to be there. But also coming to terms with the fact that they can't, they will never see these people again. Right, yeah. If they go down to the bottom of the abyss, uh, which is their goal, yeah, they can never see these people again. At at the at, like when they started doing it, Nat was the one who kept yelling about it, and that's why I kept thinking, like, I kept empathizing with Nat. Like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. You can't come back. Yeah, this was one of the first episodes that was like that was the area the first for me emotional gut punch and it's that scene at the end where you as the viewer can kind of tell that nat and rico kind of like each other kind of thing right right they can't they can't explain it they don't really know what that feeling is Mm -hmm. um and nat's like please don't go but rico's like i have to go and there's that scene right at the end before they're they're about to jump down where you know they kind of say their goodbyes of you know we'll we'll always have each other i'll always remember you and it's like boy Boy series, you really know how to just kick me immediately. That's really yeah. Good. No, it was nice. They, like it was this like cute little like you know. Mm-hmm. So there's really not too much that happens in this one. This is more of just kind of a character send off thing yeah. of how they're gonna send the characters off. Uh, I have in my notes here. It's they appear in flashbacks, but it's kind of a bummer that you kind of realize these characters won't show up again. 
they show they up do. in like when they yeah it is it is a bummer you don't see more of them but they do come up again they yeah. they'll, they'll cut back up to the top mm-hmm. right but i guess the series does a really good job selling you on that these characters will never see each other again face to face right and it's almost sad when you cut back up to the surface and you're like oh yeah they are still here and this is all still see sad. i i was actually waiting for scenes back up at the top i i was kind of like oh when are they going to show us that again and they did and then i was like oh oh my but let's move on to episode mm-hmm. three departure no wait we already did departure edge of the abyss episode four <laughs> where we learn the teachers aren't dumbasses they're just testing them no so you you find out that so they're in the first layer they're going down and they're trying to quickly make their way down and they find out that their instructor jiro from the orphanage is at, is kind of as a test saying I gave you a head start. I'm going to come get you. If I catch you, you were never ready for this in the first place. Kind of deal. Right. And then Uncle Habo makes a appearance again of he actually catches them. And there, he, there's like scenes of him like just talking with them. Uh, but most of this episode is actually them just traveling. It's a lot of Reg and Rico kind of surviving and exploring the abyss. Right, right. And their first goal is to hit the Seeker camp, which is at the second layer. Yeah, to be totally freaking honest, I thought the secret camp was like in the third layer or something, but then I learned it was in the second. No. We we also had fucking Halbog giving ominous warnings about Ozen. Yeah. And at the time, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's, it's a bigger deal than expected. So, one point I had written in my notes of episode two is, boy, the star compass seems important. <laughs> the first note I have written of episode four is... And the star compass is gone. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I, I remembered it in four, and then it was gone. And then I was like, well, see you later. Goodbye. Yeah, this one is almost a traveling episode. There's really not too much going on. You do get to see that Reg is the best tool for exploring the oh, abyss. Oh, God, Because yeah. he has 40 meter extension arms that he can just, like, cable line you down. He can use both arms and, like, do a kind of trolley thing across great gaps mm. it's like damn reg yeah Calm like down. just the cable arms are insane it was this episode that made me realize okay so they're making this look real easy how are normal people supposed to do this with regular climbing shit dude fuck that yeah anything else of interest in this one are we ready to move on to the to the next oh, episode God. I don't even remember Incinerator. I just... Oh, no, I know. I know what it's talking about. You you remember. So, episode five is oh, Incinerator. Man. And this is... Um, let's see. We've entered the second layer, the Forest of Temptation. And my fir- my second note here is Corpse Weepers are weird. Oh, yeah. They find a monster that makes human crying noises to lure in prey, which is an actual thing that animals will do. That is a real yeah. trait. It's just it's luring it, it in is. humans it, rather than uh, the other ones. It's really, it's really creepy. Oh, so they're in here. This is their first time. Um, and I, I have to think this is like the first very serious moment of like you kind of really come to terms of just how dangerous this is going to be for them. Because a corpse, re- uh, a corpse weeper picks up Rico and starts flying off. This is your first indication. You cannot go up. Do not go up. Because Rico gets really sick from this. Yeah, she does. She gets real fucked up. And then... Turns out Reg had arm blasty cannon. They call it the incinerator because it blasts a hole and then catches the air on fire. So this one is, this one's a lot more, how do I put this? This is another traveling episode. It's a lot, not a whole lot's happening, but you kind of learn more about the world. 
more about kind of the dangers they're going to face and about Reg and Rico. Reg at this point is more like kind of scared of using that incinerator because he doesn't want to blow up Rico by accident. And they keep showing this scene of Rico getting like obliterated by the cannon over and over again. I'm trying to remember this. Over and over again. Well, it's only like three times, but it was enough that it was like, wow, okay, calm down. That they they should have almost getting killed by the cannon? No, no, because uh, Reg has a kind of like a nightmare of him accidentally oh, killing right. Rico. God, Reg has a lot of those nightmares and they're all fucked up. There's also a scene I really like, and this one stuck out with me. For whatever reason, it's the scene where they're, they've killed the corpse, uh, corpse weeper, right. and then they're eating it, and they're like, and Reg has the realization, hey, didn't this thing used to eat humans? Oh, right. To which Rico replies with, yeah, but you see, those those cave raiders gave us strength, and then the corpse reaper, weeper ate them, and now we're eating it, so we get their strength again. It's like, wow, there's a lot of, like, self-conditioning people do down here to be okay with what's happening. Yeah, no, the people are, like, and again, this is, this is another scene where it comes back to my point with Reg, where Reg gets to be the audience insert. Who's the one who get who asked the question? Like, isn't it weird that we're eating an animal that eats humans and then mm. gets to be kind of like kind of wigged out by Rico's response? Yeah, it was also this point that you really realized that the well, not maybe really realized. It's when I realized this series. This series likes to wax poetic a lot. Like yeah. every episode starts off with kind of a a monologue about adventuring and exploring and one's conviction, and people just kind of drop these kind of food for thought about life i guess people get real philosophical when they're basically alone in the middle of a hole in the ground hey go figure who who knew (laughs) so they they get past this monster and they make it to the inverted forest yay this is a weird spot my dude it's literally a forest that's hanging upside down yeah that was an interesting set the the abyss is one central shaft that that's going down but this part kind of like it widens out so the forest is stuck on the on the top side, the last, the, the top side of the narrow yeah, part. Yeah, and and so it's just got a bunch of trees hanging down, and there's a bunch of birds that fly upside down, and I, that that was the part that really got me. I was like, wait, why are the birds flying upside down? I don't, I don't know either. But there's a bunch of monkey creatures that almost kill them. Fuck those monkey creatures, yeah, man! Fuck the monkeys. For fuck's sake, they run away from those successfully. <laughs> I have a note here that I didn't realize I'd written. But in hindsight, it's pretty great. Uh, there's two of them. One, and this is kind of a thing about the show, and maybe this is just my opinion. This show's real easy to watch. Hmm. And by that, I mean, like, I marathoned a good portion of this series. I went from, like, episode 4 to 13 in one go. And it was surprising me just how, like, fast-paced but, like, un- like clear the series was. I never felt confused, except maybe at, like, one point in time in episode 2, because it kind of jumps around. Oh, yeah, it is a little confusing in 2. But the show's really easy to watch. You can just, it's, I don't know, it was really easy to marathon. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. And then, and then my second point was, they keep mentioning a force field that is supplying light and nutrients. Seems like you don't want to be in the center of that thing. Well, that, that <laughs> well, was, <laughs> that is very prescient for what, um, yeah, yeah that was, that so was pretty solid. They, they mentioned that that's how it's day and night down here is that there's some kind of force field that's literally they say pushing i'm getting the sense that that it's all these things are being pulled down to the center yeah yeah no it definitely seems to be this the case that there's this like force field in the abyss that's drawing in light and uh Mm. air i believe yeah and 
we go through the forest. Forest ain't no fun. Well, oh, I mean, the on. inverted forest, like, after the monkeys, they're fine. Until they make it to the Seeker camp. Oh, right. And they, for some bizarre reason, the Seeker camp, the platform to get up there is between, there's a line between where the Seeker camp is and where the platform is, and that's the transition zone. That's like a transition point. And I'm like, who put this here? Who thought this was a good idea? Well, they don't want people getting in there, so they have the gondola. Oh, my. I, oh, no, that's fine. You could have the gondola. It's just like you go up and then you snap through a layer and Rico starts vomiting. Actually, yeah, hold on a second. They go they go up in the gondola. Why would you do that? I don't that? know. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? Hmm. So, yeah. So, th- well, for a second, it seems like they weren't going to let them in. And I, but I was like, yeah. why no, Why would they do that? Well, one thing to remember is they, they say that only blue whistles are supposed to be in the second layer. Red whistles are not supposed to be right. there. So I think you can build up like a me- like a physical fortitude to the curse and be like somewhat okay. I guess. So maybe they're maybe they're expecting oh a blue whistle can totes handle this red whistles get out that's why we're gonna put it up. It's like <laughs> that's uh, oh I know I know why why be- and it's why I wrote this comment is because they explain like the you don't want to they were saying the effects seem to be greater in the center so you want to be off to the side and that's why they built the seeker camp at the very yeah edge yeah the, no uh of the of the forest the, yeah they, they built that over on the edge that's true mm-hmm. and it's true that rico just has a poorer constitution than an, an actual fucking adult so she's more prone to getting sick and injured yeah so we'll move on to episode five uh oh, episode six episode six episode where we six. get to meet an adorable person in and then Ozen. Uh, not so adorable. So this is Seeper, uh, Seeker Camp. Yep. We were warned about a character named Ozen yep. in episode two. Uh, I'm sorry, episode three. And in episode six, she proves to be as creepy as all fucking... <laughs> like, sorry, episode, episode four. four. Damn. Um, but and, and in this episode, she proves to be as creepy as described. So my first note about, my first note about Ozen is Ozen seems like a well-adjusted individual. <laughs> She'll just out of she'll just say shit out of nowhere and you'll just be like, What the fuck, Ozen? And she but she lets them in the camp and then she mm-hmm. lets uh I forget what that character's name is. Marluk. Marluk thank you. Um mm-hmm. and I forget the character's gender because it became a plot point. I don't think they I don't think they ever actually said there's a there's a point where Reg says, Are you a girl? And right before Maruk can respond they cut away and they never actually go back yeah they never answer the question i'm like is this a is this character trans i'm thinking it's a trans character that's what i assumed for the rest of the show yeah i kind of did too that it was a or at the very least somebody cross-dressing yeah yeah the three of them basically have a nice time hanging out together marluk is just super excited there's other children around (laughs) because marluk is also tiny and a child Mm mm-hmm can we talk about relics for a second? Because it, it was in this episode that they actually right, yeah. kind of were talking about the relics and the different grades of things. So one oh, of the main points can of the I, cave can I catch you for like a is, split second? Uh, this this episode, Seeker Camp, is the, the, the like midpoint of the show. Episodes 6, 7, and 8 are what I call the lull in this show. Because there's this, this nice calm and then the storm that happens from basically non onwards. Yeah. Uh, they stay in the second layer for quite a while compared to yeah, the other ones. Yeah, they do. Ones. Uh, at least episode-wise. There's a good reason. Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a reason. 
So one of the main things of a cave raider is that they're going down to bring up relics because as they talk about it, any amount of relic is ancient knowledge or ancient technology that they're kind of digging up and bringing back to the surface. We don't get to see many of the really high grade relics. Yep. And, but they, they're talked about a lot. And Reg is a high grade relic, just to clarify. Yeah. Reg is, uh, what do they call Abade? I don't know. He's an Abade. I have no idea what they call him. A-U-B-A-D-E. Abode? Something like that. I don't know. But he, Reg is a high grade uh, relic, but you don't see any other really high ones. Except for maybe one to a different character. I actually know there's two other, I guess, high-grade ones. Relics weren't as big a deal as I thought they were going to be. Like, they kept talking about relics, but they never really... You do get to run into a couple as you get further in. Mm-hmm. And you do see Ozens at some point. I think that's next episode. Yeah, that's next what episode. Is, what is Ozen's title? I forget. Ozen the Immovable. Yeah. Ozen the Immovable. And she's also, like, a good foot and a half taller than like me or you i i want to point this out this lady is gigantic episode six in episode six it's not quite apparent because you don't see ozen very much it's more in seven and eight ozen is massively tall and there are times where she's just like hunched over you and looks like she like her presence alone is just gonna crush you like the lady is... Please, please, please go away. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, if I was standing next to Ozen, I would take like five steps backwards because sweet shit. This, this, she's huge. And I, I kind of got that impression because I noticed she was always hunched. Like, and I knew she was talking. She, she's hunched. She was like hunched. And then like her hunched position puts her at like an adult height looking down at children. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, she's big. <laughs> I I like Ozen's design. Oh, I do too. Um, it's pretty great. We'll find out later, but I end up really liking Ozen a lot. So the second half of this episode is uh, Rico goes out to explore the mansion as she's looking for the restroom and ends up finding this crazy ass monster. Really weird. It's just like like half a monster. It's just, yeah, whatever. It's a monster. And and Rico, Reg, and Maruk are talking about it. And Ozen says, you really want to know what that was? Come with me. And and they're they're walking up. ominous music starts playing and i'm like well this is going south so my other note for this episode and it's in the same one ozen is kind of a jerk who is this kid <laughs> no i i swear i think i had a note on this I, I had notes up to a certain point uh no because ozen is just like basically talking there of how you you kids are stupid what are you doing down here you're gonna die down here aren't you no um, i and, and so okay I didn't don't have a note for this. I have uh, a later note about Ozen, but I do have a mm. oh never mind. Oh shit! And then big nose foreign raiders. Um, <laughs> I love my notes sometimes. So this so this episode ends with them going into Ozen's chamber, and we see a giant cube, which cube. I wrote as a note. I'm sorry. We see what looks like the curse repelling vessel, and as we move into episode seven. The- which is titled the, un- the unmovable sovereign. sovereign. Yeah, we did that. Together. That's her title. That's her title. Ozen's title. We find out. Yes, that is the corpse repelling. It vessel. was a cube. Like, listen, man. I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, it's a thing." And I'm like, "Is I? I didn't think. Oh, that's probably that." I was thinking, like, "Is that that, or is it some other cube?" Like, listen, man. Well, all I did was I was just. I I don't know. I I just keep calling it the cube. Or what tipped me off that it was the. Uh, the vessel was that when you very first see the vessel, it's this like red, horrible, like monstrosity looking thing. 
and it's got these white chunks of stone on it. Yeah. And it just clicked in my head of like, oh yeah, that cube is probably it, but close. Well, that's the thing though. Uh, like in its open state, there's actually a base that looks like a cube. Mm-hmm. And so like when you see it compiled together, you're like, oh, right. It's the weird, weird mouth thing. So I'm going to go through my notes real quick on this one because they're, they're pretty much just going to summarize the kind of the first half of this episode. So white whistles are people who have traveled the oh, abyss right. and come back from like the depths of the layers and they all wield unique relics from the netherworld kind of going against what i said before about not seeing a relic but we do find out that ozen has a relic called the thousand men wedge i don't even know i think she has a thousand they relics don't... that's called man wedges that's what i'm thinking because that's what it was that's what it is i don't know well she says she had like she says she's put them in 120 spots on her body yeah. so to me, what I think it is, is like, it's a bunch of wedges you just jam into your body, yeah. and it enhances you to give you the strength of a thousand men. Okay, that makes sense. But it, it is many wedges. Uh, my next note is, boy, Ozen is kind of fucked in the head. Yeah, she is. She, it's weird so, that she she's definitely fucked in the head. I, we'll, we'll get to it later, but yeah, she is, like, just, at, oh. At this point, at this point, Ozen is nothing short of the antagonist of this series. Yeah. She seems to have nothing but ill will towards Rico because Ozen, uh, as we, as it's kind of explained in the series, Rico was born at the third layer, but they were on a qu- uh, an expedition to get something. So when Liza, so Liza. Oh, right. It's also, Ozen it's also explained Rico. that, that Rico's dad was down there with Liza and he died before she was born. Wow. Wow. Frondo, you hell interrupted me. I I'm sorry. I just, I had to, I felt the need to clarify that. Yeah. The. We'll get into the whole thing, but basically Ozen had to carry Rico in the curse-repelling vessel all the way up from the third layer, and just a bunch of stuff happens, and she's like, man, I really don't like you much. And we find out that the curse-repelling vessel isn't really what it It, does. That's that's the secondary function. Yeah, so what happens, and you find out Rico, how Rico got out of the abyss as a baby. Well, she didn't. Apparently, Rico was born, uh, was stillborn, and what Give me some serious Bloodborne vibes. I don't know why that did. But... Ozen basically, I guess, carries this thing with her. I don't know why they had it, but They Ozen found it down there. Puts... Like, that, that was explained. They, oh, they just okay. found, that was like one of the relics they found. Oh, there. okay. So Ozen puts the dead Rico in this cube. On um, a fucking- Because they're not sure what it does. They don't know what it does, and she just does it on a whim. And she's about to just leave it there, because one- you find out that Ozen is Liza's master. He's like, well, my, appre- my apprentice is dying over there. I'm just going to leave all this shit and we're going to go. But nope, Rico comes back to life. And it's like, great. Now I have to carry this giant cube and put my apprentice through more like emotional stress. Thanks, kid. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, kid. So we find out that, yeah, Rico's kind of a walking corpse. Yeah. Which is like, dude, what? Yeah, it's a real... <laughs> It took a dark turn Yeah, we there. had a dark, dark turn. Although, it also reinforces that Rika was born of the Abyss. And I think yeah. it's, it's around yeah, it here does. that they first mentioned this, that, that Rika was born of the Abyss, and everything born of the Abyss is drawn to it. Which explains why she's well, so, so suicidally towards going down there. That's true, very true. Ozen makes the comment of, she she put a ra- the monster we saw in episode 6 was apparently a random piece of meat she was eating, and she just threw it in there for nostalgia's sake. And it got out. It's like, dude, Ozen, what the fuck? Woman, please. I mean, it was kind of a harmless monster. Well, harmless for Ozen. So, Reg and Ozen have their first big fight. Because 
Ozen is oh right, just, like talking a whole bunch of shit and distressing Rico and Reg. Ain't having we had none an of anime that. fight scene. Uh, it's that's where you find out Ozen's relic. Yeah, it was a really cool. And she fight. just fucking crushes him. There's uh, God. I'm trying to remember the scene. She so Reg is about to blast her with the incinerator, and Ozen literally just walks up, picks up his arm, and points it at her face, and like, oh, I wonder what this does. Oh right, like, let's find out. And she like strong arms him to pointing at Rico and like go ahead do it see what happens like show me what it does it's like dude Ozen fuck off (laughs) yeah yeah Ozen's a fucked up individual but we find out Zach that this was all a ruse Ozen's still a fucked up individual yes Ozen is still fucked up but we find out that basically Ozen was trying to egg Rico and Reg on into fighting her because as because she wants to be able to test Rico and Reg to make sure they're ready to actually go down to the bottom. Again, this is people like, I'm going to test you, but never tell you. Yeah, it's real bad parenting from the worst parenting club on the planet. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so we find out that, you know, Ozen was Liza's master. Uh, Ozen even doesn't, be- like, Ozen was saying, oh, she's probably dead. Ozen doesn't believe that at all and thinks she's still alive down there. Right, that was, yeah, she said that she was definitely dead and then came back and turned around and said no she's probably alive down there it was actually confusing to me for a second because ozen says oh yeah i was lying about uh she was saying i never lie to kids but i did tell one lie that liza was dead and it's like yeah because that's the only lie which means yeah all that stuff about the curse repelling vessel yeah that's all true yeah i, I kind of misread the the subtitles because i watched it subbed right and i thought so is rico not a living corpse like no she's a living corpse no, she's a living corpse i'm she takes that in stride, though. That never... Dude, I really thought we were going to have a moment of, like, oh my god, what am I? But no, Rico doesn't care. Like, Reg has a crisis of, like, who am I? But Rico doesn't seem to give a fuck. That seems to be her character trait. Is just, like, she has one goal and she does not give a shit about the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, like Reg is the character that if you told him that, he'd be like, what? What? Yep. But yeah, that's, that's why I like Reg. <laughs> So now we begin the survival training arc. Right. Well, not an arc, but the Ozen's episode. like, hey, go out and survive in the woods for 10 days. Which they and do. That's, that is the next That's episode. the beginning of episode eight. Yes. Called survival training. Huzzah. And then they do, and it works out. Like, I, as far as I yeah, can tell, that's, that's all that happens. This episode is basically- Oh, right. This is also where you get to know more about Ozen's, like, three-man crew, mm-hmm. who are the coolest dudes, apparently. Oh, the uh, cave, the bandits? Are they bandits? They're pretty neat. Oh, well, that's what she calls them. She, the subterranean right. bandits. Yeah, yeah, she calls them bandits. They're, they're cool. Like, as far as I can tell, they're I, chill. I like them. They're really nice to, to Marluk, which is a good sign. It almost makes you wonder, like, what are y'all doing down here with Ozen? You all seem I way know, too they, nice. They all seem so nice. Like, and they're like, they're like making excuses for Ozen. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's just, she's just an old lady. She it's don't just, know nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, she's just like that sometimes. Don't worry about it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Y'all are too nice for this place. <laughs> so this episode kind of has a part one and a part two to it. So the first half of the episode is the survival training, which is pretty standard survival training anime. Oh tropes. yeah, 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 yeah. They they learn to rely on each other. They killed the big monster that was attacking them cleverly. I might add. That's about it. Yeah, it, was it actually surprises. Pretty clever. It surprises me that they don't like that cleverness that they show in the survival training. Just like goes out the goddamn window through every episode afterwards. But uh, not necessarily. You have to you have to assume that they they have the survival training. 
I think realistically, it's like we learned a bunch of skills at layer three, at layer two. Like, yeah, that's not gonna help later, like at but all. Then why did they? Why did Ozen put them through that then? Toughen them up a bit. I don't know. I, she only yeah. she said she only had it for three weeks. So that's true. All right. So the first part is the survival stuff, and that's pretty cool. The second half is. Uh, oh, and in the first half, we learn about the incinerator a little bit. Oh, right. And this is yeah. going to play a, a very key point in the rest of the series. And this is something that's, that comes up before, is that every time Reg uses the incinerator, he knocks himself out. Yeah, I think this is the first time they address it. Yeah. Of like, hey, Reg, don't do that. Because you're going to leave her alone in, like, layer three and beyond. You're stupid. Mm-hmm. So this... Well, Ozen, Ozen says don't use it. Like... Ozen, in the most roundabout way fucking imaginable, tells him, only use this if you are absolutely desperate and you are absolutely certain that that all hostilities will end after you use it. Yeah, it's basically a, if you don't kill the thing you're aiming this at, you're fucked. Yeah. Let's see. They also find uh, Liza's weapon, the Everlasting Pickaxe, which is kind of neat. Yeah, they had recovered that, and Ozen gives it to um, Rico. To Rico. It... It, was it doesn't really do much. It kind of gets it, it. It's a pickaxe with an explodey bit on the end. Yeah, yeah. But even like in the next episode, and the episode after, they they only use it once in the series. Does it blow up? No, they they lose it. They lose right. They lose it. We'll go into that later. I have but... a sneaking suspicion that season two will have them find that damn thing again. Oh, uh, hopefully. Or or they're just like or this show is just really cool with giving the the main characters a thing and then just having them lose the thing. Yeah, because. Bit of a spoiler, uh, by series end, we've lost the Star Compass, Rico's Notebook, All right, and Rico's notebook. The, the Everlasting Pickaxe, the Blaze Reap. All right, Blaze Reap. Yeah. I'm like, damn. So, yeah, and so this is the second half that we get the pickaxe. We also learn all of Liza and Ozen's history together. It was this set of series uh, sequence that actually made Ozen my favorite character. Right, yeah. Ozen went from being like, wow, you're kind of an asshole, but everybody likes you for some reason, to, oh, you're a good person, but still an asshole. Yeah. It, it was something along the effect of Liza looked up to Ozen, so Ozen took Liza as an apprentice, and they traveled a bit, and Ozen, you know, watched her grow, watched her get married, watched her had a kid, and then well, also watched as, like, well, I'm getting also watched as Liza pretty much lost everything, right? In, like every, all of that, and yet Ozen still felt the need to protect Liza and uh, her daughter because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is my this is my apprentice's daughter. I'm not gonna just leave her there. Like it's like Ozen, you're a real big softy, aren't you? Yeah, I and that is that I believe is the reason why there's a bunch of nice people at the Seeker camp. Because, like, they've all figured out that Ozen is secretly a giant softy. Don't, don't tell her, though. She don't will t- kick you. She will kick <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in the beginning where, where uh, Liza is trying to ask Ozen, hey, can I be your teacher? He's like, oh, you're back? I've already kicked you twice, and you fell unconscious the second time. I'm like, what? dude, Ozen, God. that's like a, that's a five-year-old. That's, that's assault, Ozen. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. That is usually a crime. Oh, right. The, the the other thing that mm-hmm. I think I confirmed later in one of these episodes, it gets confirmed. Ozen is super old. Oh, yeah. Ozen is, um, I think she's, it's been 50 years since she got her white whistle. And, and when Liza meets her, she already has it. So she's at least over 50. I don't know. She's, she's at least, she's, um, she's 50 years old. 
and then plus whatever amount of time and like and she was she was considered really old 50 years ago yeah so she's like 70 60 or 70 or at least 60 or 70 she's probably older Mm -hmm. than that she's probably like closer to like 100 120 Mm. the one thing i'll say about ozen is that she had and this is kind of a weird thing i noticed all the character designs of the series are very subdued very much there's not the general the generic anime crazy hair or crazy designs everything mm-hmm. all the designs are very subdued ozen has probably the only very out there looking hair oh right she and doesn't even crazy then hair. they go to the in-universe explanation of why is your hair like that like oh i style it because i don't want everybody seeing my scars it's like damn ozen i forgot about her hair thing the other thing is that oh. like especially when you look at it at the anime oh, god damn it someone drew a, a funny picture of ozen um <laughs> <laughs> she goes out of her way to be as creepy as humanly possible oh god there's that scene of her just like leering over uh yeah it's basically that <laughs> fake yeah sorry ozen in like even in her default pose has this kind of like weird smile and her eyes are kind of just barely open she she looks like she's not all there but boy she's there she... she's definitely there so just to wrap this episode up because we've talked a lot about this one is we also find out about where the other white whistles are um i don't remember all of the names of the white whistles they're all sovereign something but we are told especially look out for the sovereign of dawn boundred or something like bone dread i swear to you it sounds like bone dread i would dread him but well we must leave the forest of temptation and make it to sorry i'm just like they warned you about Ozen, and then they show you Ozen. And then they warned you about uh, Bonedred, and then they show you Bonedred. It's very... Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, the cues in this show are, like, on point. <laughs> so, it's time to leave the Forest of Temptation. We were tempted to stay there. <laughs> but we have to make it to Layer 3, The Great Fault. Coincidentally, that's the name of Episode 9, The Great Fault. And, and indeed, in The Great Fault, we spend one episode in The Great Fault. And then we leave it. It was a very... It's the Rico episode. It is. It's... Yeah, it is. So they get into a fight. They they go down. They run across some very cute monsters um, that they murder for their food. They tre- Okay, hold up. Those little cute puffball things mm-hmm. I thought were going to be like their buddies or allies. No. Um, Rico th- uses them as bait, talks about eating them all the time, yeah. and punches a bunch of them to get through a hole. Yeah, they're not nice to these animals. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> kind of. Which has some dramatic ir- irony later in the episode. But they they go down. Uh, the the red s- snapjaw? Is that what it's called? The crimson splitjaw. The crimson splitjaw finds them. Because apparently it remembers yeah, fuck, them. Yeah, fuck that thing. Reg uses his thing, doesn't kill it. And then he has ten minutes mm. to run as far as he can into a cave and bring Rico along. They get to safety. And and Reg tells Rico, Rico, don't go anywhere. Just stay right here until I wake up. And of course, Rico listens and the episode ends without any issue. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. And then Rico, being Rico, is like, no, nah, I got this. And then just drags him along. And I was like, Rico, why? It's even better. She literally is sitting there like, oh, I guess we could wait. Like, but boy, am I hungry. Let's go find food. And like, yeah, Rico, why? She falls into uh, basically a giant Venus flytrap, mm-hmm. um, which is funny and because fucking... mm-hmm. it's a it's a good metaphor for the entire abyss that we get later. And so she gets stuck in the stomach acid of a Venus flytrap, 
I'm surprised she doesn't screaming in pain because that acid should be bad. But instead, she just pulls out her knife and cuts it open. See, this is why I like Rico because most because if she was a helpless like damsel, it would have been like, oh my gosh, save me, Reg. It's like, ah, whatever. I'm just gonna. There's even a scene where she stabs the thing in this in its inner stomach and it like knocks her back out of convulsing, mm-hmm. and she just like runs back over and just keeps stabbing the thing. It's like Rico, you're kind of a badass right now. Yeah, and uh, it it shows off just like how violent things are in the abyss. Like, that particular scene kind of sells it really well, where you have Rico just, like, cutting open this plant that might as well be an animal. It's how big it is. And it's convulsing Mm -hmm. and things like that. And she just, like, cuts open a thing in this, like, horrific way, and the guts spill out, and the corpses of those little furball things spill out. But then all the furballs are there to eat the nectar. It's like Yeah, they're all there to eat the nectar, and Rico's covered in the nectar. And so she has to run away from the furballs that are trying to eat her. You guys are gross. Ew, you're nasty. Um, this episode also has our, not our first, but our, I would say our first major look at the effects of going up right. in the abyss. Because right at the end, right as she's getting away from the uh, the hamster balls, I forget what they're called, um, the really mm. flat hamsters, she has to go up like a 30-foot incline that we were talking about earlier. This scene kind of struck me by surprise because, again... They say that going up in the abyss is not great. And there's a scene where even in like in one of the early episodes where the corpse weeper picks up uh, Rico and takes her up. But that's really high up. So you think, okay, ascending, it's not going to hit. It's not going to hit now. But she's walking up this little hill and she's like having hallucinations. It's like, holy shit, you can't go up in this place. Yeah, she's having hallucinations like 20 feet up. And I was like, wow, what the fuck? And she's, like, she's hallucinating about her mom, about her friends, and all these other things. And, like, she starts vomiting, throwing up, and she basically gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. Well, she, and she also, the only thing that snaps her out of it is that, like, she realizes Reg isn't in her hallucinations. Right. And that kind of snaps her out. And she's at the top. The Crimson Split Jaw attacks them. Not there, right? And Does it? No, no, that's, uh, this is the last scene of the episode. So it oh, shows okay. back up. And there's a really... I was kind of expecting a moment to happen, and it didn't, which kind of bummed me out. So there's a moment where Reg is still knocked out, and Rico has to fight the Crimson Split Jaw. So she picks up the the pickaxe, and it looks like she's about to run over and just crack this thing in the head. But instead of Rico getting to do it, like, to get the cool moment, uh, Reg wakes up, saves her, and then Rico throws him the the pickaxe and he kills it kills the thing right yeah yeah it was a cool scene i guess i was kind of bummed that rico didn't get to use the uh I, the pickaxe you know it made sense to me because i was like rico doesn't have the physical like strength to actually smack yeah. this thing and kill it mm-hmm. so like reg gets up and is able to kill it because otherwise it'd be really weird if rico got the kill i guess but i guess i was kind of expecting it and i was kind of hoping mm-hmm. that would happen it's just like you want rico to get a really badass moment and i get that but I think the show is really trying to sell the idea to you that Rico is utterly unprepared in this abyss. She, like, she's really gung-ho. She has all the knowledge she needs. She knows all the techniques she needs to know. But her attitude in the abyss and her physical stature are these, like, insane limiting factors that keep her from being, that keep her from being a, uh, mm. a force to be reckoned yeah. with in any sort and of that's, way. And that's totally fair. It was just one of those... I was expecting a moment didn't happen, but you're absolutely right. Um, so 
Yeah. We we end this episode by getting to layer four, the goblet of giants. And I actually want to stop right here. And then because a previous episode, we go back to the top and they start talking about this disease that people get. That's an episode 12, dude. Is that a no, that's not episode 12. No, the the king got sick and then went outside the uh, they went on like a boat. Yeah, that's a that's episode 12. Is that 12? Yeah, I could have sworn it was earlier than that. Um, they it actually is good to cut that we'll stop here for just a second because episode 10 is where this show like fucking takes a nosedive yeah 10 is where things go real down <laughs> they have been cutting back and forth between the two mm-hmm. our surface our surface characters and the ones in the abyss and the surface characters are all kind of just kind of living life doing whatever they um, they don't cut back to them very often they basically do it just no, for this not even a little bit um so that but they cut back so they do and i think it's good to sort of just do this here because it makes a lot more sense um yeah because once we once we get going we're gonna get going so i guess we will talk about this when they do cut back for a big series there's something called the birthday death disease right so as you get closer to your birthday you start like getting feeling more sick and and ill and you're bedridden so so they go to the top and people are getting sick and then on their birthdays they die and this is happening to everybody in orth which is the city up on top but this one little boy like this very small boy, like a five-year-old or something, is is picking up this illness, and they have a doctor come by, and the doctor's a foreign doctor because apparently they don't have hospitals in Orth. I think they do, but like because people come here to trade and to explore the abyss, mm-hmm. it just gathers everybody. Yeah, and so they so they take this kid out to this hospital ship, which Orth is also on an island. Uh, just mm-hmm. to clarify that again, uh, and so they go out into the ship, and then they put him there, and they don't do anything. And he just immediately gets better. And yeah. it was at that specific moment that I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, Orth, I figured out how to save your asses. Just walk outside. Like, it was probably the most hopeful moment I was in this entire show that I was like, oh, you can just leave and you're fine. It's interesting to me because the beginning of the episode bits, there's a, like a little monologue thing. And they're always about, you know, this one, I think, was about longing, about how people who are afflicted with the sense of longing can't let it go or can't get rid of it. And Pete, mm-hmm. the cave raiders long to see what's at the bottom oh, yeah. of the abyss. But you're absolutely right. It kind of brings up this thing of like, do people know that being near this thing is killing them? I don't think they do. Yeah. I, I think they're all just like, oh yeah, we can totally just get rid of it. It'll be fine. Yeah. That is something that I, I noticed and it kind of goes hand in hand with what they were saying what rico and reg were talking about where if you're near the center of the of the abyss you feel the effects quicker and that's why stuff is built on the side like towards the outskirts of the of the abyss yeah yeah i guess literally leaving is probably the most outskirts you can be (laughs) yeah exactly like just exit the abyss you'll be fine like they literally they put this kid on a boat and he's fine and I'm just like, all right, well, here's your. Well, don't they make a uh, don't they make a note? Uh, and this is the little kid that's kind of the kid tag along for most of the, for the uh, surface group. They make a mention, or I kind of noticed that he's always sick in all of his scenes, but this time he's getting worse. Mm-hmm. As soon as they take him off the island, he's better than he's been the entire series. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. Like. Like, that everyone there is sort of, like, afflicted with something, and that they need to leave. Um, and that the Abyss is a really bad thing. Like... Speaking of things that are really bad... Um... 
Yeah, let's cut back to episode 10. Episode 10. Could just be described as why. Dude, okay. So episode 10 is called Poison and the Curse. And... Yeah, we get we get they, both of these things. Oh God, yeah. In combination together, they 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 come together to make me disgusted and horrified at the same time. Yeah. So very quick little recap of this because this episode not a lot of happens to be honest. <laughs> this episode is kind of taken over by one scene in particular. So Rico and Reg are exploring through the goblet of giants, and it's these big like almost like Venus. It's actually Venus flytrap things where it's creating these giant pools that you kind of walk through. Yeah. And they're walking through and Except they get attacked by You a, know, it's, uh-huh. it's funny is, is that you, you make that analogy. I noticed that and I just kept thinking those goblets were going to close in on them. They make the point that, like, they are uh, carnivorous plants and I kept expecting one of them to snap shut. They never do. Yeah, they never do. I guess they just sort of absorb the nutrients of corpses because there are certainly a lot of corpses on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. And... They're exploring, and they run into an orbed piercer, which is this very angry porcupine-looking thing, and it has crazy poison. Yeah, it's got crazy poison on its spines. Reg is fighting this thing, and they're getting their ass whooped, and they're trying to find a way to escape. And the orbed piercer comes and charges at them, and Reg bl- tries to use this, uh, I guess it's like a steel umbrella to right. block yeah, the he spikes. Does. And he does. And he, save- he saves himself, but he turns around and... A spike has gotten through and pierced Rico's hand and shattered the umbrella. So well, the, they they yeah. <laughs> they lose the umbrella. They lose the pickaxe because the pickaxe falls into the water. Right. But they do make it out. And the way they make it out is that Reg is dreading this because the only way out is to go back up. Which is weird because I kept thinking, like, could you just go down? I think they were, I think it was like, you know, they don't know what's down there. It could just be more of these things. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I think there was a reason, but the only way for Reg to get out safely is to grab the injured Rico and go up. And he does. As we have as we have said, going up a small hill was not so hot. This is going up like 50, 60 feet. It is a lot. This was going up, I think, 40 meters or so. And the rest of this episode was some of the most, like, the tensest moments I've seen in a series recently. Oh, yeah. To the point where I'm literally... I remember when the episode ends, I let go of my pillow and I realized how hard was I like holding that? Yeah. I I hate this scene. <laughs> I, I hate this scene a lot as well. I, I literally, like, as the scene was playing out, I was leaning back in my chair with my hand on my face. Just, just with my hand on my face, getting as far away as I could from the screen. Just, like, going like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? So, audience members, we told you... This is the big part. This is the big where this series takes a massive dive down. What happens is, is that when you ascend in the, I think this is the fourth layer, you start bleeding out of every orifice. Which she does. Um, uh, in addition, oh God, she's poisoned. Yeah. And so they well, yeah. they tie a cloth. And so, and so Reg ties a cloth around Rico's arm to sort of mm-hmm. like stunt the poison, uh, which it does actually. That was rather successful. Yeah. Well, so what I was getting at is like, they go up and. I guess to me, I didn't think it would be this bad, but the series, this is the part, how, how do I, I'm trying to figure out what a good way to phrase this. The series has never really shied away from showing very horror and terrible things happening to your characters. This is the, probably the biggest moment of that because yeah. 
you see just blood coming out of her. Uh, she, he, Reg is trying to wipe the blood off her eyes and her ears, and it just keeps coming. She's hemorrhaging blood from every orifice. She's basically screaming in pain constantly, which, mm-hmm. I mean, totally reasonable. <laughs> like, and remember, she she's bleeding out of every orifice. She's poisoned, and there's a scene where she's looking at her hand because there's a hole in her hand, and it's also bleeding. So they're like, oh, it must have gotten the poison out. So they tie, uh, like, a a clench under her under her arm to stop the poison from spreading and she's also hallucinating because remember right. these effects stack yeah they all stack and so she's also vomiting so this kind of all culminates into what i thought was like i kept dreading it was going to happen but i didn't expect it to so they cut back to her arm and it has swollen because that because the poison just does that it to swells your I, arm i will say I I was taken a little bit out of the scene when I saw just how swollen her arm was. Well, you gotta remember, I think it's supposed to be, like, it swells the whole body, but they trapped it to just the arm. That's right. kind of how I rationalized it. But yes, it's it's comically large. Yeah, it is comically swollen. I'm like, but, ugh. So, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, oh man, it's like, well, if they want to get rid of the poison, they could cut the arm, but they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And Rico looks at Reg and says, you need to cut the arm off. So we have that sudden realization. I remember my stomach dropping when I realized what they're about to do. Yep. And the rest of that scene was horrifying. Oh because, god, again, it was so bad. They, they show re- they they show Reg tying. You know, he's got the first thing, so he puts a second one for an area to cut. They that he then has to break Rico's arm to actually cut through the bone, and yep. then he actually cuts through the hand, the arm a he, bit. He he starts cutting through, and Reg. With zero experience with this medical procedure, is very bad at it. So he's going slowly, and he's super like the feelings that we have as an audience. Reg is having as a character, and so mm-hmm. he's nervous. His hand is shaking. He's like cutting through, and it's slow, and she's screaming in pain. This is just the part that I like, and you're just like, oh my fucking god. This is probably the tensest and most like gut wrenching episode. Uh, just because these are the two characters you've been following and they're having to do these really terrible this really terrible thing and rico almost dies except suddenly well she she like loses she loses breath and reg stops cutting her arm mm-hmm. um and i really thought rico was about to die oh yeah i was like of... wait where's the rest of the show i thought Re- the rest of the series was going to be reg trying to finish the the mission it's like mm. yeah. damn that's what a way to pull it yeah that would have been but Suddenly, and at the last minute, a random bunny girl shows up to yeah. help. And in my notes, I say, wow, she couldn't have shown up five minutes earlier? She could have, you later learn. Oh, they make a point of it. They it's do. really, really obnoxious. But yeah, this episode ends with this rabbit girl, or hollow, as they're called in uh, in this series, coming over right. saying, I can help her and I can save her. So they go back to her little bungalow thing. And the episode ends. It, and, and the thing is, like... Just kind of ends. It it does just sort of end, but I view it as a, a little ray of hope because they get to her bungalow and it's this beautiful little, like, locale on the edge of the fourth layer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of get there and you see this, like, idyllic scene. And you're like, oh, okay, they're safe. Mm-hmm. Because the goblets did not feel safe. And so you, you move no. through that space and you get down to the end. And, and, and like, Nana... Her name's Nana Sheep, but... But the bunny girl is, like, being very kind of casual about it. And it's like, yeah, she's going to survive. So episode 11 is called Nanachi. And that's the name of the bunny girl hollow that we find. 
My first note on episode 11 is, thank God things have chilled out. Yeah. Episode 10 was the no fun, no chill zone. Episode 11, sorry, episode 10 was the no fun, no chill zone. Episode 11 is the, oh, thank the fucking gods. Now, 11's kind of weird because, so you learn what Nanachi is. She is a hollow or somebody who's come up from, who's ascended from layer six. And didn't die or turn into a horrific monster. No, she's just. Well, she's she just, somehow survived. She's warped. She's a bunny girl now. Yeah. And, and so we find out, you know, that's what they mean by you can by coming up from six back up to five. You can either die or lose your humanity. And this is apparently one way it, it happens. There's. They also have the second this, way that happens at the end of the episode. There is another character in her bungalow called Meaty, who is the yep. normal way this happens. And it's not pleasant. No, it's. Meaty looks like, I, I think it just is a mound of flesh that's somehow still living. It's a mound of flesh with like a mouth. It's like, it's like an open mouth. It's it's really fucked. And we'll it's a really explain. fucked image. You yeah. find out more about her. But this episode is mostly getting to know Nanachi, getting to know kind of what's happening and how we're going to save Rico. And it turns mm-hmm. out we're going to save Rico by putting these parasitic mushrooms that will uh, keep their host alive by healing them. Yeah, and then you cut off the mushrooms afterwards. Yeah, and we we see more of Reg's memories that he clearly does know who Liza is and know and has oh, met right. her. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just kind of a I I view this as a cool down a kind of a cool down episode. It definitely is. To be honest, like the last three episodes of the season feel. I mean, like there's an emotional rise. Like twelve and thirteen, you go back up in the emotional rise, but mm. in terms of like what's physically going on. 11 is is like a cool down and then 12 and 13 just keep draw like drawing mm-hmm. you back down i think kind of as a way to like close out the the uh season yeah so by the end of episode 11 rico is recovering reg and nanachi are just kind of working together um we also and... learned that i don't know if this is i think this is in 12 that we learned that both of them but we also nanachi cannot cook this isn't it's seven episode 11 because sorry it's it's uh you also learn like episode 12 that reg can't cook they both just garbage yeah. at it what i was gonna say is there's a weird like obsession about cooking in this especially like camp cooking yeah it's kind of a big deal i think you know i, I think it's a way to draw focus of the episode to something a little bit more lighthearted. yeah something a little bit more lighthearted, and just evoking the sort of like camp food feel is is gives you the nice warm fuzzies i like reg's reaction of like this looks like sticky mud <laughs> And <laughs> you're watching him eat it, and he's like, this- "If if Rico wakes up and they try to feed this to her, Rico will surely die. <laughs> There's no way to recover." I just like she had a near death experience, and Reg's just like making jokes in his head about how she's not going to survive this fucking food. So that's basically that. So we'll go off to episode twelve. Yep. The true. Oh wait, we also curse. Oh, he also goes out there and like saves the dude. And tells him to send him. Oh, that's twelve. Up? That's still twelve. Oh, that's twelve. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think that's. I think that's twelve. Yes, that is twelve. Okay. Cool. Because so episode twelve is the true nature of the curse, and in this episode we. It's just like an extended explanation of the curse. So we finally learn how the actual mechanics of the curse work, and I actually think this was really smart of them. To explain it. Yeah, it, it is smart to explain it all the way the fuck down here after we've, like, had to experience it a bunch. And the other thing is that Nanashi can see the curse, which I think is a really interesting aspect of her character that sort of, like... 
Oh yeah, she says she can see it. She can sense she, it. She, she has some sort of sense with it. Mm-hmm. She can sense it, and she uses a grade three relic to kind of ex- to show what it is. It's like this sheet that is very that is so thin it looks like it's just wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way this works is basically you can go up about ten meters without breaking the. You can go down, but if you go up through the sheet when you break through or you go up a certain height. All of a sudden, all of the curse hits you, right. and you find out that the real, the real enemy of the abyss is the force field and the light in the center. Right. That that's what's causing the curse. That's the curse. Right. So the thing that's drawing yeah. in the light is also the curse itself. See, this is what makes me think that it's not that you're being pushed down into the abyss; you're being pulled into it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why. To me, there's a better, there's a bigger difference of that, but it seems more like ominous that. No, it's not that you're being forced down there. It's that you want to go down there, but when you want to leave, you can't. Yeah, but that's why you go back to the Venus flytrap analogy, that the bugs are drawn into it, but once they're in, they can't get out. So, I also have in my notes, enemies can predict the future now. Fuck. Oh, right. Because that's what the, that's what the, uh, the, the orb, orb piercer, piercer is, doesn't have great tuition. It can literally tell the future, or it can anticipate the future yeah because if you read the if you read the force field properly it allows you to like see into the future because apparently that's just now a property of the force field Mm -hmm. well remember the nanachi explains that the curse morphs to you it it, you know it's like a cloth hanging on you where Mm -hmm. it molds to you and it it'll even anticipate where you're gonna go so i think it's like your intention morphs the the curse and then when he jumps to the right out of the way of the orb piercer and grabs it, it's because he's kind of fooled it. His intentions weren't what he did. Right, yeah, yeah. Because, like, later in the episode, he fights and kills an orb piercer. Uh, Yeah, this is where he saves that raider. Yeah, this is where he... We don't know if if he gets back up there. We don't know. But he does send a message going back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, this episode ends with, Hey, hey, Reg, thanks for doing this for me. No problem, Nanachi. Uh, we'd do anything for you. Thanks for saving Rico. It's like, really? And she's like, you kill Miti? Like, right. Yeah, that that comes up. I loved Reg's expo- like, expression at the end of, eh? What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> it just ends. Yeah, they're just like, oh, hey, why don't we, like, I want you to kill Miti. And like, I don't know. Like, again, I'm, Reg has the response that I would have in that scenario of, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what do you want me to do? This is also the episode where Miti has kind of taken a liking to Rico. Oh, in the most creepy way imaginable. And it just kind of shows that, like, there's still something going on. Yeah, that, like, Miti is still... There's something there. So, you know that this series is only going to do great things. And episode 13 is called The Challengers. It may as well be called The Saddest Backstory in the Damn World. The Saddest Backstory in the Damn World and why Bondred has... Bondred wins the Cool Outfit Award and literally nothing else. Yeah, that's about it. Fuck him. He does have a cool outfit. Uh, I'll give him that, but that is it. That man's a monster. So I want to point this out. When I was watching this, I hit this episode. I didn't know it was going to be a double episode. Yeah, I didn't know either. It just sort of kept going, and I was like, oh, oh, it's a double. (laughs) So I was watching this at like 12 at night, and I thought, okay, I'll go to bed at like 1230. And then I look at the time like, oh, I guess I'm not going to bed. I guess I'm going to be up for a bit. Yeah. This episode is, again, split into kind of two parts. 
The first part is Nanachi and Miti's backstory, which is as fucked as I thought it was going to be. I mean, we all expected it to be. Dude, my notes here are, oh boy, kids are getting gathered by Bone Drude. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> and the ne- the literal next note is, what the fuck, man? This is straight up horrifying and terrible. No, because like, he gathers them all up and then he puts them in the fucking like box. He gathers, he mm. goes and grabs children from the far north. A bunch of orphan children, I mm-hmm. will state, um, that aren't in an orphanage. They're just, like, hanging out and barely not, like, they're basically about to die. They're about to starve to death up in the north. They're riffraff. They're just kind of on the street. Yeah, they're on the streets, but it, it implies that, like, there's not enough, there's not nearly enough food to go around. Um, mm-hmm. That a lot of these kids are going to starve. And so it gathers them together, and we learned who Miti used to be, who is this somehow insanely cheery, like, young girl mm-hmm. and oh boy we learned yeah i i never was by the way i was never able this is another weird gender scenario where i was never able to pin nanachi's gender nanachi i'm pretty sure is a girl really I'm, okay i'm pretty sure yeah right okay it's mostly the name and i think the way she refers to herself okay that makes pretty sense sure that's it and so they go down and they have to like pick partners and so they become partners and again they're put in a fucking box and lowered into the abyss and like the creepiest fucking noises are going on outside and i'm like this is terrifying it's almost even worse than that because what bone druid has done is he's left them in a room and one by one says hey come with me oh yeah that's afterwards and they think oh we're gonna go help him with something but kids never come back they don't come back and like i don't know if you wrote notes for it but i, I remember i was thinking like this doesn't end well no not <laughs> even a little bit i knew something was up like when when he, when he did the first time of hey come with me and like it's super funny because uh, Nanachi seems a little suspicious of what's going on, whereas Miti she just she she seems super suspicious of a lot of things that are going on, but but Miti seems like fucking hyped. Well, remember that Miti is kind of being portrayed as a stand-in for Rico, kind of that yeah energetic and longing to see adventure. Nanachi just wants to see what's at the bottom of the abyss as well, but she's a lot more like. I just need to, I couldn't stay where I was. Yeah, yeah. She was in a desperate, she was in desperate straits and had to go. Bone Drude takes Miti and Nanachi follows and somehow finds the lab or as Bone Drude says, his garden. It is. That is the, that is the worst fucking name. God, Bone Drude, you're a fucking monster. So the experiment is basically this. He wants to find a way to go from six back up to five without having the lo- the loss of humanity that is that level's cursed so he has two chambers he puts somebody in one and this device somehow causes the curse to be transferred into one of the two chambers right so what he's been doing is puts a person in the chamber where it's going to be forced and he's done this with random objects and whatnot a person and random stuff he then decides i guess you guys are buddies i'll see what happens i'll throw both of you in and what he does is he just drops you down to the bottom uh, to an area in the sixth layer dude fuck that scene god where all the... damn it and you get down there and you see that they all basically look like what midi looks like now they're just piles of flesh yeah. and you kind of get the impression that it you get the impression they're all screaming out in pain which is terrifying well you get what i was also gonna say is it's kind of implied that these are all the other kids yeah yeah no that's and it starts off by showing you maybe one or two of them slapping against the glass but when it pulls them back up you get it like a top-down shot right there are hundreds of them down there yeah it's like 
dude ozen when you said bondrude was a scoundrel you under you are you're underselling bondrude i feel like this this is also called this is also ozen when ozen calls someone a fucking scoundrel okay so what happens is as they're going up miti is hit with basically two doses of the curse her own and the stuff that nanachi was supposed to be feeling yeah nanachi retains her humanity but becomes like kind of a she becomes like a bunny girl like a a bunny girl. Into a bunny girl. You can, you can also tell that that's kind of happening to Miti at, but like she goes too far. How do I put this? Nanachi grows like fur and like gets disfigured into a, like a, a an animal. Mm-hmm. Miti has that happen, but then suddenly like all of her skin just explodes and she's just flesh and it's like what are you gross, right? Yeah. She has that like she has that one kind of bare arm, which kind of deal. It's like yeah. Ew. Um, and then we get back to the top, and we learned that, for some reason, Bondred was like, hey, he's, by the way, we get back to the top, and Bondred's fucking hype. Well, because one of them maintained their humanity, yeah, them, them not mindless. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he just, like, decides to crush Mitty. Because, now that he has one back up here, he wants to see what happens, he wants to experiment with them. And yeah. he finds out, in probably the most horrifying way, Mitty is immortal. She cannot die and just regenerates. Mm-hmm. And again, there must be like something going on with the off because like, man, he does a lot of terrible things to these kids. And like, because this kid's like, the meaty is like smashed to pieces, but you can kind of tell like she can still feel it. She's crying. Oh, yeah. You can tell it's she's like, fucking crying through all of it. And it's terrifying. It's uh, like, oh. By the way, you also, you also get, there, there's like a one scene earlier on. Where like a black whistle is like talking to Bondred and is like, Bondred, what the fuck is going on? Like this is this seems kind of fucked. What's going on? <laughs> I've I also like Bondred's Bondred's thing of like you're asking me this now. It's like actually Bondred, I have to agree. It's like dude, black whistle. Now you have issues. Um, so we cut back to Reg and Nanachi and Miti, and they go through a should i shouldn't i and they finally do right. have the moment of well right reg reg basically hears the story and goes okay let's do it yeah but even well he takes a little bit to get there he's he and he's having second thoughts of like but she's like not meaty seems happy here oh right yeah right right that's that that's what it is like not that she tried every other method of killing her Oh, you find out because in her house, she has all this paraphernalia from other cave raiders. And you find out it's like, yeah, because people get down here are about to die. And Nanachi says, listen, I can't save you, but can you help me? And I'll bear, I'll make at least make sure I'll bury you. It's like, oof. Oof. Because remember, there's that one cave raider who's like, sorry, I'll kill you now. I'm like, oof. Eesh. Wait, what? Oh, right. Because you kill hollows. Because people kill hollows. I forgot about that. Well, yeah. Which is one of the weirdest things. Like... Why can't Nanachi just mm. be like, whoa, 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 what the hell? But Well, right, she even says that. is that, like, because nobody's ever come up from the sixth layer with her humanity, she's the only one, so she mm. doesn't want to be, like, experimented on and stuff like that. But, yeah. So, you know, they have the mercy killing scene, and boy, that was the closest to tears I've had in a while. It's like, man. Yeah, Nanachi's having a moment. Um, this is, Reg's this having is, a moment. Is, <laughs> um... I'm I'm saying um a lot because I don't know. The don't worst know how to part, like it. they okay, so they basically put out like a picnic blanket, mm-hmm. and then they put a bunch of little stuffed animals, and then they put Mitty in the middle of the stuffed animals, and I'm like, oh god, why? Oh, well, because it's it, it's a basically 
when somebody's dying, you want them to be surrounded by their favorite things. And these mm-hmm. are all the toys that Nanachi made for her. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was just, there's the moment where Reg's about to fire it. And Nanachi turns around and says, no, no, don't do it. And she just, like, this character that's pretty stoic and sarcastic is just, mm-hmm. like, completely, like, emotional. Yeah. And then she walks away and says, please do it. And it's like, oh, boy, it's a it's a, it's a a rough scene. And, uh, right, I forget. Reg also made her promise not to kill herself. Yeah, and she's even like... Which is another real fucked up moment. And Nanachi's like, man, that's really mean of you to do. Yeah, that's, that's a like, mean oh, thing. Oh, she, she was going to. Yeah. So, oh. after this downer... This super big... fucking downer. What did I say? This this show is basically gut punch the series. It is. No, the other thing is that uh so eventually Rico wakes up. It's just the 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 other half of the, like the uh-huh. last quarter. Um and and she had this like weird dream basically about Nanachi. No, not about Nanachi, but about Mitty. Mm-hmm. In the most and the dream is a real fucked up sequence. Well, it kind of it, it solidifies the thing that there was some there was something in Miti that was suffering as well. And mm-hmm. the two of them kind of in their in their dreamscape were able to rely on each other. Um Yeah. To to give each other strength, essentially. And it was like, oh God, series, please. I'm already down. You don't need to keep doing this. Yeah. It it also implies but, that there's sort of like a dream connection thing that happens. But you know. Mm-hmm. I guess they're but, just kindred spirits of the abyss. Third time, but sorry. We now kind of are on the up and up of this series and i just realized boy you know what in the abyss you can only go down that's why this show is such a downer oh god damn it so we go so rico recovers we have a couple moments of rico and reg catching up there's a hot springs scene which is kind of weird that was weird kind of cute but it's like wow okay i it is both of those things it's just a random hot spring scene i think it's again it's like the weird sort of like camp food thing where it's mm-hmm. just like, like we just had an insanely emotional scene. Let's bring you back down. So, Re- uh, Reg and Rico ask Nanachi to come with them, and she agrees. And the the closing scene is them getting ready to explore the abyss. Um, we also wait. There's a letter. Th- there's also like an implied like time. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of there's like a, there's, that... there's an implied time skip as Rico's recovering, and mm-hmm. it also shows the damage done to her arm. And that there seems to be significant oh, yeah. nerve damage to her arm. You can see, like, a really nasty scar. Uh, they also cut the mushrooms off, and she screamed through that, but... Eh. Couldn't couldn't let us li- leave without one more, like, horrible moment. Yeah, one more, like, oh, God, I didn't need to, to, to listen to children screaming again. But they showed, like, her arm, and it seems like she has problems gripping. She gets a prosthetic... Well, not a prosthetic, but a support thing. Yeah, they yeah. They show in, like... Because there's a scene where they're they're sending a message back up the abyss, and... It's kind of a time-lapse thing of all the different layers and places we've been, and it shows them getting gear ready. Uh, Rico gets a climbing support bit, and the series ends with them walking away from Nanachi's house, and Nanachi gives it one last look, and they're gone. They're, they're into the abyss. And then you sit in stunned silence and think, there had better be a season two. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. So, that's basically Made in Abyss. Uh, this we tied a lot about this one, so I guess we'll keep our overall thoughts. Because you've kind of heard what we thought on individual episodes, but overall, I really liked this series. Yeah, I think it's really good. It's genuinely fucked up. It it was one of those series I remember hearing a lot of, and I thought it was just overblown hype. But I ended up actually really liking it, and it lived up to a lot of the hype. I personally didn't know that it was going to get that intense, however. 
What oh. I thought was going to happen was that it was, you know, these two kids exploring this crazy world and the dangers that were going to be there. It it was not apparent to me, nor did I know how, like, how intense things would get. Yeah, um, I, I had a much stronger inclination of how intense things would get. And even still, like, it got me. I was like, wow, what the fuck? The series is, how do I put this? Because there's many scenes where it does this. The series is very raw about everything. Yeah. It, it it very much, you know, it shows, it never shows away from, like, the violence that's happening to these kids. It, and that's the thing you have to remember, is that they are kids. Yep. And it's almost more fucked up that it's happening to kids. It It is way more fucked up that it's happening to it's kids. It's a very, it's a very occasionally gross it, series. It's significantly more fucked up that everybody's cool with it. Mm-hmm. There's a weird obsession with people peeing i don't know why it was something i noticed towards the end is like why is everybody pissing themselves all the time um what else did you think of the series overall dude i found the show it it has like i and i remember watching this in a review of this show it has amazingly gorgeous art mm-hmm. which is really good and and the characters look really cute because they're little chibi characters. Mm-hmm. And that is an excellent contrast to just how dark this show is. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. It is it is a show that is not afraid. It does not pull punches. It goes full bore at you. It says, these are two children entering a genuinely fucked up environment and a messed up society. And just like many things had to go wrong for these children to be put through this. But now they're stuck with it, and now they're going down. Mm-hmm. I look forward to a season two, but not in a, like, I want to see fun adventures, but more in a, like, I hope they make it out of this. You know, it's interesting to me, throughout the entire series, and this is kind of my last little comment on the series, mm-hmm. uh, because we're almost at two hours here. Oh, boy, yeah. That was, <laughs> Sorry, friend, of... you're editing this one. Oh. What I was going to say is, throughout the series, they keep talking about a longing that cave raiders have to know what's at the bottom of the abyss. And at the beginning of the episode, it doesn't really hit you that hard. But I realized that at some point, it's almost directing that that talking at the viewer. Because mm-hmm. you yourself are more... I felt, for me personally, I was more intrigued of, what the hell is this? What's at? What could possibly be at the bottom of this place? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in that space as well. You kind of become a a climber or a cave raider with Rico and Reg of like, I really want to know what's down. I don't care like what happens and this is, this sucks, but I, I just have to know what's down there. I, I had less of a feeling of, I don't care what happens. I I'm genuinely invested in these, these characters like making it. You misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I, I genuinely care about the characters. It's that sense of no matter what, I have to see what's down there kind of deal like no matter how dangerous it is oh right yeah yeah no i get you and, and it's really funny because there is one immediate and obvious danger for season two hmm. and his name is bondred <laughs> dude fuck that guy so <laughs> yeah in case anybody was wondering and i looked this up this is a pretty one-to-one thing with the manga yeah this is based off a manga series and season one will drop you off at chapter 26 oh if you want to keep going you can either wait for season two or you can read from chapter 26 on. I would kind of encourage people to go back and reread the old chapters because apparently they go into more detail about stuff. So, but yeah, I, I will probably go and read the ma- the mango well, and see how it goes. Yeah, good luck. Good luck in your mango reading. I will not be. I'm just going to watch the next season. <laughs> 
I, I like, okay. I've had enough gore porn in my life. <laughs> I don't need more. I don't need to reread it. <laughs> Listen, man, I it's about the adventure. I want to know what happens. Yeah, but we know what happens. We watched. But now I could, I want to know more. I could go even further in. What if Ozen shows up again? That's true. I do like Ozen. Can we just end it on, like, can we, I, I just, I want to use this picture of Ozen. I, I posted, so... To the audience, everybody else, I posted a picture of Ozen. Use it as the thumbnail. I really want to use it as the thumbnail. It is an adorable picture of Ozen. Okay. Listener, thank you for descending into the abyss of the now that's what I call abyss. Or I don't know what now we're going to call this. That's what I call a an abyss podcast. Sure. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Do you have a lesson of the day for us? Oh, man. Hey there, everybody. It's time now for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson, don't structure your society around a giant hole in the ground. It's not a good idea. Just not even close to a good idea. Just give it up immediately. And that's the lesson of the day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Zach. I guess you could say the city of Orth is really pit city. <gasps> it's time to leave. Goodbye, Woo! audience. Bye. <laughs>